I've been thinking about Jerusalem. Now we're into my message, okay, so pay attention. Of Jerusalem. Like, what springs to mind? What do you think of when you think of Jerusalem? You might think of an ancient city. You might think of, well, I've heard of Jerusalem. Isn't it an important story about Jerusalem in the Bible somewhere? Yeah? Uh, You know, you might know that Jerusalem was the city where Jesus was sentenced to death. You might know Jerusalem is a city where the Holy Spirit fell upon the early believers. Or you might think of modern Jerusalem, a city um, of tension. Like, I haven't been to Jerusalem, and I know some of you have. And I know this is uh, probably not everything that's happening in Jerusalem, but my perception is like a city of tension, a city of conflict, a city that is not so well known for peace. The word Jerusalem in Hebrew is Yeru Shalem. And it's made of two words that literally mean flow and peace. This, uh, this guy called Jeff Benner from the Ancient Hebrew Research Center says, The place named Jerusalem is a combination of two words. The first is Yeru, meaning flow. The word has several applications, such as flowing of water in a river. The throwing of something, as in being like flowed out of, your, out of a hand. Or the flowing of a finger, as in the sense of pointing out the way one should go. Yeru. The second word is shalem. From the word shalam, or shalam, I'm sorry if my pronunciation is completely wrong. It means complete and whole. The word shalom, shalom, is derived from shalem. While it is usually translated as peace, it means it more means to be complete or whole. So when these two words are put together, Yerushalayim or Jerusalem, it means something like pointing the way to completeness. Jerusalem. So it's like the sad and tragic irony that the city that is meant to, like prophetically named, to flow with peace, to point the way to peace, actually flows instead at the moment with conflict. And instead of pointing the way to peace, it reveals the brokenness of the human heart and of society. So a week before his crucifixion, Jesus headed to Jerusalem, and it says in Luke 19:41. Oops, I've got to turn the thingy on. Turn the thingy on. Here we go. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. He said, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. What was Jesus talking about? What is the way to peace? Is peace just a pretty word? Is it like a hopeful and impossible vision? <laughs> is it something that the hippies in the 60s thought they, that they could get peace by free love and sex and drugs? Right, Dad? <laughs> Sorry, I threw you under the bus there. <laughs> yeah. Is it a superficial cliche like, peace, peace out? Is it an empty promise? Or is there more to it? Today's Advent theme is, is peace. <laughs> and it's incredible, like Michelle mentioned this, it's incredible to, incredible to me that this first Sunday, since Aotearoa moved into the traffic light system, the COVID protection framework, and today's focus is on peace. 
And if we can grab hold of what this means, and if we can flow with peace and point the way to peace, like the prophetic name Jerusalem, can you imagine the impact? Can you imagine the impact on our lives, on our well-being, on the impact of our fam, uh, the impact on our families, on the impact of our, on our society, on Wellington, on our neighbourhoods, on our region, on the country, on the nations? If we flowed with peace, imagine if we could be peacemakers, giving away the peace that overflows in our heart, giving away that peace to a world that's gripped with anxiety, gripped with fear, tension, and conflict. <laughs> Yes, we want that, right? We want that. We want that. We have to look back to go forward. So we have to look back to go forward. So I, obviously, like, I think that peace is more than just a pretty word. I think it's something that we, we need to hold on to, then we grab hold of it. And I think that to do that, we need to go back to go forward. So we go right back. When God created all things, when God created all things, including humanity, Adam and Eve, everything was perfect. Everything was how it was meant to be. All of creation, whole, complete, and perfect harmony. It was good. It was good. It was good. It keeps saying over and over again in Genesis. Genesis uh, chapter 1. Adam and Eve and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All together. No fighting. No conflict. No fear. No one trying to get the upper hand. No brokenness. And this perfection, this perfect, this perfect state has a word. And that word is shalom. It's such a beautiful word, eh, Dad? I'm throwing you under the bus again. It's such a be- it is, right, shalom. It's a word that is usually translated peace, but it has this rich and deep meaning. Completeness, soundness, well-being of the total person, security, contentment, prosperity, the absence of war. Tim Keller says, we can think of shalom like a tapestry. God made the heavens and the earth like a garment, a fabric, with a nearly infinite number of entities like threads woven interdependently and harmoniously together, under, around, and through all other entities. All these threads have to be woven together. Only then is the fabric beautiful, useful, strong. Early creation was in the state of shalom. And it didn't stay that way. Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. And so they introduced a tear into the fabric of shalom. They introduced tears into the fabric of creation. And shalom was lost. And we see this at different levels. Again, I'm drawing from Tim Keller, because I think he just puts it so well. Internally, there was a loss of shalom. Adam and Eve lost internal shalom. When they... when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking <clears throat> in the garden, they hid from him, and the reason for hiding was fear. The first thing, one of the first things they felt was fear. Oh, fear. Adam says, I was afraid. Fear is just one aspect of this loss of internal shalom, but it's, it's one that we all experience. It's probably like the, the, the key, right? And it's the first sign of loss of shalom. Socially, so that's internally we experience it. Socially, the shalom of a harmonious and loving relationship was also lost. You know, Adam and Eve, they got on pretty well. Male and female, and they got on well. There was no arguing. There was no one trying to be dominant over the other. And then loss of shalom happened. Loss of shalom happened. All of a sudden you get Adam blaming Eve 
because it's her fault that they rebelled against God. It's all her fault. I just went along for the ride type thing. And then the next generation, Cain and Abel. This is Adam and Eve's own sons. And Cain was so jealous of Abel that he murdered him. Like loss of shalom leading to murder of another person instead of loving each other, instead of being other-centered, laying down, laying down each other's lives for each other, serving one another, instead of cooperating and working together. This loss of shalom led to the ultimate act, ultimate act of conflict, which was murder. And we experience loss of shalom all the, all the time. You know, I've, um, one of the many tragedies of this what we're going through as a nation is uh, seeing loss of shalom on, on families. And I, I heard a story, just a tragic story, about um, a, um, a couple, a married couple, and, and the husband didn't want to get vaccinated, and the wife did, and, and well, they split up. Loss of shalom. And I wonder, like, how many family gatherings this year are just going to be like, full of t- tension around this, right? We're in vaccination status of all things. And so if you're in that situation right now, I just want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, Lord, if people in our church are, are facing up to that this year, Lord, let there be peace. Let there be peace. Lord, raise up peacemakers. It breaks my heart. This tragic loss of shalom from the garden, it continues to have ripple effects. Physically as well. Physical shalom is where every part of your body works. <laughs> Imagine that. As it's meant to. No sickness, no injury, no aging. <laughs> I'm mid-40s now, and man, I'm starting to experience aging. It's not meant to happen. I know I still dress like a teenager. <laughs> Just pretending. I, I really like it. There's a few things that I really like. Chocolate. No, there's a, there's a few sports I really like. I really like skateboarding, and um, but I had I kind of have to stop because I've discovered that as I age, that falling off my skateboard it hurts, <laughs> and I really like running. And sometimes I like I really like running on trails. And sometimes I go too far because I want to go further, and then I have to stop and walk because either my calf gives out or my knee gives out, and it's like oh, things are not working together. I'm losing physical shalom. And it hurts. <laughs> oh, man. Full respect to the elderly in our, in our midst. Say, Dad. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm asking you for your forgiveness in advance. <laughs> We're all right, eh? There goes my inheritance. Nicholas and, Nicholas and Anna are going, you keep going, James. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I lose shalom in my mouth all the time. Um, uh, death is the ultimate loss of shalom. Also, we see this in creation. I mean, Rosemary touched on this beautif- beautifully last week. You know, the impact of humanity on creation with with pollution and and wear and tear. I mean, I, I get quite I get frustrated. I mean, we have a house which is such a blessing, um, but house maintenance. Loss of shalom. <laughs> Has anyone read that book, uh, Dr. Zeus's book, The Lorax? Oh, man, that's a book about the loss of shalom, right? 
Uh, so there's the diagnosis. And it sucks. And we hate it. And we experience it. And we might be experiencing it now. And we might have experienced it during the week. I did. Man, this week was filled with anxiety and fears. We experience it. We experience the loss of shalom every day. Who had a great sleep? No, put it the other way. Who had an awful sleep last night? Loss of shalom. We're meant to, there's meant to be this balance of like sleep and wake, right? We experience it all the time. We experience the opposites of shalom. Anxiety, anguish, fear, confusion, division, distress, conflict. You're like, James, man, this is heavy. <laughs> I'll finish now. <laughs> no, I haven't finished. Into this darkness, into this darkness, seven or eight hundred years before Jesus, before Jesus shows up, the prophet Isaiah made this absolutely stunning declaration. He said, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the word is Shalom. Have I started yelling? (laughs) This is seriously one of my favorite topics, and it's only because I wrestle with the loss of Shalom all the time. The prince of shalom, of the increase of his government and of peace. Yes, of peace, of shalom. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to hold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You're not meant to yell in the vineyard church. And I am. <laughs> Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. That's his title. That's who he is. His role, his name of the increase of his government and of peace, of Shalom, there will be no end. Even though we don't see it, you're working. Even though we don't feel it, you're working. His Shalom has come and it's advancing. We've got to grab hold of it. Loss of Shalom is the diagnosis. The Prince of Shalom is the remedy. He's the solution. He's what we need. One of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is our peace. It's his title. So when Jesus walked in Jerusalem, remember, he walks into Jerusalem, the city that is called I flow with peace or point the way to peace or point the way to shalom. The prince of peace was walking into the city. He was the way of peace hidden from their eyes. The prince of peace had arrived in the city. No wonder he's saying, which we go back to that scripture. No wonder he said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. Peace was on their doorstep. They couldn't see him. The Prince of Peace had arrived in the city that was meant to flow with peace and point to peace. Instead of the city of peace, instead in the city of peace, the Prince of Peace was sentenced to death in a corrupt trial conducted by men filled with fear and the loss of shalom in them. He was taken outside the city. He was executed upon the cross. Jesus, the perfect embodiment of shalom, broken. For us, 
The ripples of this breaking of shalom were obvious and experienced by all of creation. You read the stories. Read the stories in Matthew. Darkness over the land. Earthquakes. Rocks were split. And it sounds to me like Jesus experienced this loss of shalom, this loss of internal shalom, and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when we look at the cross, we look at the cross, it's a picture of everything that shalom is not. Internal shalom broken, physical shalom broken, social shalom torn apart. But there's one aspect of shalom that was not broken. That is love. Love. Jesus died for us because of his great love for us. Love is his motivation. Love is the driving force. Because, Isaiah again, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, that brought us shalom. And with his wounds we are healed. And in this ultimate act of love, in Jesus' death, restoration of shalom was beginning. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Yes, Lord! It was like this crack in the darkness, crack opening up and shalom like shining through. signs of God's master plan we see this like straight away where tombs uh, people that had died saints that had died were raised to life Jesus himself like this ultimate act of like the first and biggest sign of of shalom beginning again resurrection (laughs) you can tell us to see this one one of my favorite topics I love it Restoration of shalom was beginning. Science of God's master plan. And love is the driving force behind that, the restoration of shalom. The death of Jesus on the cross makes possible, makes possible, actually it's the only way of shalom for us. And that way of shalom begins with reconciliation with God. Restoring that first relationship that was lost way back in Eden. That's why we have to go back. The first thing, the first thing that happened, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Loss of that shalom. That's where we've got to go back to. It begins with reconciliation with God, right relationship with God. On the cross, it's as though Jesus went right back to that moment that Adam and Eve rebelled against God and he suffered the consequences of their rebellion, of their sin, of their alienation from God and he experienced in himself the loss of shalom in order to bring reconciliation with God, the restoration of shalom. And the first sign of that restoration, as I said before, Jesus' resurrection. And for us too, we need to go back to that moment. We don't have to go back to Adam and Eve because that would be hard. Unless you've got a time machine. We go back to this moment, the cross. We did it this morning. We went back to the cross this morning when we take communion. We go back to the cross in order to be reconciled with God. It's through the cross. It's through what Jesus did on the cross. It's through him that we discover reconciliation with God and for that restoration of shalom in our lives uh, to begin. I mentioned, uh, I think, was it a couple of weeks ago, um, that sometimes when we think of the early church, we think of like this, this perfect state, that the early church, they had it all together, eh? But they didn't. 
and they were quite divided over lots of things. What's division? Division is a symptom of shalom. So to the divided church of the city of Ephesus, Paul wrote, sorry, this is a long one. Paul wrote, and it's actually not all of it. This is, oh, you've got to go read it for yourselves. Ephesians, oh my goodness. He says to them, to this divided church, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. We all were. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the, co- to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off And peace to you who are near. He himself is our peace. He's our prince of peace. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. The prince of peace, Jehovah Shalom. I found this like just game changing even this week. Like I have, I've had to fight for it like daily. My mind, my mind going on tracks, well, well worn paths that end up, you know, with that feeling inside of. that you want to run and you, or you want to do something. And I go, okay, but, but Jesus, you're my peace. Jesus, I've given my life to you. You are now in my heart. The Prince of Peace is in my heart. You rule and you reign in my heart. That means the Prince of Peace rules and reigns in my heart. His kingdom is characterized by shalom. The king, his name is Jehovah Shalom, Prince of Peace, his kingdom, you know, it's going to be like him. Shalom. That's the wrong passage. Don't need that one yet. <laughs> it says in Romans fourteen seventeen, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or Ron Canoli said, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you? Yes. <laughs> when he ascended to heaven, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit upon the believers in Jerusalem. Remember the city that was meant to flow with peace, but didn't. And he sent his spirit upon this group of believers. They were hiding away in an upper room, 120, more than us. <laughs> Hiding away in an upper room, he sends his Holy Spirit upon them, and amazing things happen. They spoke in tongues, like uh, they flooded out to the streets. Loads of people repented and came to faith in Jesus. People were healed, set free. What else? There was more than these obvious signs, because because the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The outworking of the Spirit of God is shalom. I'll say it again. The fruit of the Spirit. So what people, what these people tasted like or smelt like or were like is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The outworking of the Spirit in us 
is shalom in us and through us, overflowing, ah, beautiful word, from us to others. We're going to overflow with something. We're going to overflow with something. May it be that we overflow with what what the Spirit is doing in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, <laughs> goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I think about how amazing this is. I'm, tr- I'm going as fast as I can. I don't have much longer to go. But think about how amazing this is. The city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is meant to flow with peace. It's meant to flow with shalom. And the city that did not recognize the Prince of Peace when he was right there in their faces. This city that sentenced him to death. And now in this, in this city, the believers hiding away in an upper room, the Holy Spirit that is sent by the Prince of Peace filled and empowered believers so they would overflow with shalom. So it's like that prophetic name, Jerusalem, was being fulfilled in that upper room. This city becoming the beginnings of, of Jerusalem being the Jerusalem that was meant to be. Filled and empowered believers so they would overflow with shalom. Even though they were surrounded by enemies, they were surrounded by conflict, they were surrounded by brokenness. Even though Jerusalem continued to be a city of tension and conflict to this day, God's kingdom had broken through. It was ushered in by Jesus, driven forward by the Holy Spirit, worked out through the lives of people who had given their full allegiance to the Prince of Peace, who now ruled and reigned in their hearts. <laughs> These are long sentences that I wrote. I just get so fired up. And this, this is like this undercover, I like to think of this sub, 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 subversive group. They're like the, the resistance in France in the Second World War, right? These undercover agents, and they're flowing with love, and they're flowing with peace and patience, and they're flowing with kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and they're not afraid. And they're flowing with gentleness, and they're they're flowing with self-control, and they're they're honoring one another, and they're serving one another, and they're floating out into the streets. This is what's happening, and like they're prophetically like walking out to what Jerusalem is meant to be. In this season of Advent, (laughs) we are talking about Christmas, right? In this season of Advent, uh, by the way, I haven't preached for like over a month, so this is, I think, what's going on. I've got a lot of preaching in me. <laughs> in this season of Advent, we prepare ourselves for Christmas. We prepare ourselves for Christmas Day. And it's a season of looking back at what God has done, the birth of Jesus. It's a season of looking at what God is doing. The unstoppable advancement of his kingdom that we sang about this morning. And it's a season of looking forward in anticipation to when the Prince of Peace returns. And when he comes, guess what he's bringing with him? Yeah, but, but yeah, that's correct. But it's not what I've written down on my notes. <laughs> he's bringing with him a city, a holy city. He's bringing with him Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. It's coming down out of heaven. It's going to be filled with his presence. The city that our hearts long for because we're caught in this tension of the now and the not yet. Our city longs for this, our hearts long for this city. The city is going to overflow with, with everything of our king. It's going to overflow with shalom, complete and perfect, because the king of the city is the prince of peace. His name is Jesus. He is Jehovah Shalom. The presence of God fills the city so utterly. There's no shadows. There's no FOMO. 
There's no missing out. <laughs> I'm down with the youth. I know what FOMO is. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. No, I don't. Um, I'm not down with the youth. Uh, there's no fear. There's no anxiety. There's no conflict. There's no sickness. There's no more wear and tear. Knees going to be okay. There's no division. There's no death. The holy city flows with a river of life. Thanks for that picture before, Antonio, of the rivers that flow through justified pages. Sometimes you read a justified page and you can see rivers going through it. The holy city flows with a river of life and it flows directly from the throne of God. And we long for that day. Our hearts are caught in this tension. The Prince of Peace has come and is coming again, but we still experience a loss of shalom. I'm not promising you this morning that you're going to go out from this place like filled with shalom and it's not going to be whatever, you know? We experience it, but we experience it alongside a desperate hope for the restoration of shalom. And that hope is powerful. Rosemary, man, your preaching last week was just off the charts. (laughs) That means good by the way. (laughs) See, I'm down with the youth. (laughs) Where was I up to? Okay, in that day, okay, this is the day that we can't wait for. I just can't wait. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. (laughs) Bulwarks. Open the (laughs) gate. How do you say that word? Bulwarks. Okay. I thought I was way off. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah caught, if you read Isaiah, he catches like these visions of this day to come. And remember, he's 800 years before Jesus. What's that? 2,800 years ago, right? Something like that. Advent is more than just preparing for... uh, I've read that part already. Haven't I? I have. Have I? No, I haven't. Advent is more than just preparing for the 25th. You know, when we're going to overflow with presents for one another. It's about living towards our ultimate future. Did you know that? (laughs) It's about living towards our ultimate future. It's like... So our feast, feast at Christmas... You can go, this is, this is a feast representing the feast that we're going to have with Jesus in eternity. It's like, it's like the Spirit of God brings what life will be like that day and allows us to taste of it today, the taste of eternity here on my lips. We become representatives, ambassadors of the true Jerusalem. All right, if our current cultural moment is characterized by fear and anxiety, then we can bring a different and prophetic and world-changing story into that. We can. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Rather than smelling of old Jerusalem, of fear and conflict that killed Jesus, we have the fragrance of new Jerusalem that is filled with his life, the fruit of the Spirit. I want to read you a quote from... um, Bishop Todd Hunter, who used to be uh, the director of the Vineyard Churches over in the U.S. quite a few years ago. He, and I've read this one before, but it's beautiful. He said, for many of you, when you think of your own life and discipleship to Christ, you can quickly see and feel brokenness. Amen. 
Your sin and imperfections are always before you. Amen. I feel that. For some, this leads to beating up on yourself, guilt guilt trips, and shame. Amen. (laughs) When we're looking at our past or present brokenness and don't see where it's all heading, I think we lose a great assistance, a great power in our discipleship to Jesus. I'll read it again. When we're, looking, when we're looking at our past or present brokenness and don't see where it's all heading, I think we lose a great assistance, a great power in our discipleship to Jesus. Our formation, our formation in Christ is kind of like being the people of the future. You could say living the life of heaven in the present. right? Living the life of the new Jerusalem today. In any circumstance, when we have the completion of Christ always in mind in the background of everything, it puts our little lives in context. It situates us in the bigger picture of God's story and gives us hope that despite our failures, we are being pulled inexorably towards Christ's victory. And another way to think of this is if you're an astronaut and you're sitting in a rocket ship, one of Elon Musk's rocket ships, and you're about to take off into space, they don't have toilets, so make sure you go to the toilet beforehand, and you're probably going to be wearing your astronaut outfit, a spacesuit. Live, you know, astronauts are living towards, they're not living like this. A spacesuit is not very practical on Earth, is it? A spacesuit is going to be practical when they're in space. If we can begin like living the life of, uh, of our future today, Grabbing hold of this, going, Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. Rule and reign in my heart. You can grab hold of those sorts of things. Joy, all these sorts of things. Even when we give to each other and we, we love each other and we love people on the streets, we're like living the future today. When we pray for healing, when we kind of like step out of the boat, you're right, we're living the future today. It's more than a feeling. Peace is more than a feeling. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Okay, hope you're not hearing this to say that medication is, is useless or that you shouldn't see a counsellor because this is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about something that's more foundational than that. That was a caveat that in the middle of the night I thought I had to say. This is not what I'm saying. Peace is a person. This is what I'm trying to get to. Peace is a person and that person is Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus, then the Prince of Peace has taken a residence in your heart. Let him rule and reign in all aspects of your life. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God, it's like we have to allow it somehow. Let the peace of, God, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. <clears throat> this is the last line. I'm going to land it right. Pursuing peace then, I'll say it again. <laughs> Pursuing Jesus is the way of peace. pursuing Jesus is the way of peace for too long I've been chasing after peace trying to get peace trying to get a piece of peace (laughs) give me a piece of peace can I get a three piece quarter pack (laughs) Jesus is the way of peace pursue Jesus pursue Jesus like one thing I've been thinking about is when I feel fear and anxiety what's that revealing in my heart What's it revealing in my heart? It reveals like a loss of shalom. So I can kind of go, hey God, in this, you're letting, this, letting me have this horrible feeling. Prince of peace, would you come and rule and reign in that part of my heart? There's that song that we sometimes sing, blow through the caverns of my heart. What if, what if the Lord blowing in the caverns of your heart means allowing you to feel something that doesn't feel good? 
What if him blowing in the caverns of our hearts remains revealing something that we hate? In order that he can bring restoration in that part. That's a hard word, isn't it? So this word I have like about overflowing, just overflow. And I really believe, like Lord is calling us in this season, even this morning, that we're going to encounter him. We're going encounter, to encounter his love, encounter his peace, and be able to overflow that. I'm sure that you're like me, and you just want to grab hold of that, eh? All right. Let us stand in the presence of the Prince of Peace. Oh, Lord. In this day, even now, Lord, would you pour out your Spirit upon us? Would you pour out your Spirit? Lord, we, we might feel crushed. We might feel perplexed. But would you pour out your Spirit upon us that we may overflow you, that we might reflect you, we might reflect your glory. This treasure in jars of clay is the reflection of you. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus, you say that when we come to you, you, you take up residence in our hearts. The King, the King of Shalom, the Prince of Peace, taking up residence in our hearts. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. So it's just this weird um, word that comes to mind about like pledging allegiance to the King. And, um, and I wonder this morning if, uh, you know how there's that sort of like medi- medieval kind of picture of pledging allegiance to your King, we actually go and bow before the King. It's like you're submitting to the king. And I, and I wonder this morning if you kinda, you're thinking, I, wanna, I want that. I want to pledge allegiance to the king. There's parts of my heart which, which need to come under the rule and reign of the king this morning. And, 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 and so I just want to, if that's you, then I encourage you to uh, just don't worry about what's going on around you, but come forward and like, don't kneel before me. I'm not the king. But kneel before, um, kneel before the cross, which represents, represents him. And just, just even in your own heart, just you want to say, I pledge allegiance to you, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. If you're at home this morning, you, you might be wanting to do this even in, your, even in your living room or your lounge, like even just like kneeling down. I pledge allegiance to you. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the Prince of Peace. May you rule and reign in my heart. May your kingdom be established in my heart and overflow from my heart. I see just like cracks of like of light. This is God's kingdom breaking through even in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And we just declare it over our church, over our families. Into the season that we're coming in that rather than a season of tension and families. In relationships, there'll be a season of peace, of shalom. That, that, that peace that overflows from us, that touches other people, that they experience your peace that passes all understanding. We fix our attention on you, Jesus. In the light of everything that's going on, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Like fall afresh, Lord, upon the ones that are kneeling down, upon the ones that are giving their lives to you this morning. 
Place your crown upon their heads, sons and daughters of the living God, ambassadors of the new Jerusalem, flowing, pointing, experiencing peace. And fear, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and say, be gone, be gone. We break your hold even over our own lives. We declare it, Lord. Fear has no hold on me. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Greater than. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, it's like, you might want to see more like to breathe them in, like inhale, take a deep breath. Even in the natural, it's like breathing them in. Breathe in peace. Breathe in restoration. Breathe in shalom, a taste of shalom. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's going to read out some scriptures over us. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. 